Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti, and my guests this evening, actually I have a panel tonight, we're welcoming back Joe DeLong, who's the executive director of CCM, and Carl Fortuna, who is the first selectman of the old town of Old Seabrook. Gentlemen, welcome. How are we? Fantastic, Pete. Thank you for having me. How's it going? Good. Good. Joe, how are you? Always, always a pleasure to be with you, Pete. I'm doing great. Thank you. I know it's been a while, Joe. I think I think you I think you and I did this not long ago together, and I figured you know what let's bring let's bring in Carl and have a conversation for an hour. Well, I think we spent some time bragging about Carl, and so that kind of locked him into being part of the next episode. <laughs> I think I we did. That. I'm not sure I do appreciate that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Pete. In the past, we've talked about having Joe on and maybe doing a. A meeting and i think you had one scheduled that it may have gotten bumped but, yeah i think so i think um, so anyway. so gentlemen how are we how are we what's new with each with everybody's organizations you know i i'm going to defer to joe on this one because right. uh we're in the legislative session right now so okay. i thought maybe joe i don't know if you want to take the lead and talk a little bit about that uh, sure so you know first of all, how are we i think that you know, everybody, um, yourself included, and, yeah. and everybody in our communities, you know, we're all we're all starting to maybe see a little light at the end of the tunnel with this exactly. pandemic. Um, and that is that is a good thing. I mean, certainly it's a good thing for our economic health. Right. It's also a very good thing for our our social or psychological health. Um, so, you know, I think that. Right now, there's a big focus um, within our organization, at CCM, within our individual town and cities, and certainly with the General Assembly of the legislature of what does recovery look like? Right. Um, how do we come out of this in a way where we're positioned not to just say, whoo, glad that's over with, <laughs> um, but to come out of it in a way that we can grow uh, economically. We can create a better lifestyle for Connecticut's residents. I think that one of the, the things that we all know um, and hopefully we've learned from was, well, the pandemic is not a recession per se. The last recession, the last national recession, Connecticut didn't come out of it very well. Um, we're just now, before the pandemic happened, we were just back to pre-recession um, uh, employment numbers and uh, pre-recession GDP and, and things of that nature. And so there's a lot of emphasis um, both within our communities as well as with the General Assembly um, to make sure that, that we're smarter, hopefully this time, and that we're positioning ourselves to come out of this pandemic in a way that uh, that Connecticut can see its full potential and, and can really can take off and it can grow. And, and, and also to take advantage of some of the things that have happened uh, through this pandemic, in particular, people getting out of the, the large cities, uh, particularly of New York and of Boston, and you know wanting to buy homes again in Connecticut, wanting to make investments in the suburbs again. We, we saw a huge trend of a completely urban driven economy for a long time and now that we're starting to see people becoming very comfortable with uh working from home 
right. companies deciding that they're going to allow people on a more regular basis to work remotely, even post pandemic, right. because it's, it's changed our habits, it's changed the way we approach things. I think that puts Connecticut in a great position to, to kind of capture um, some, particularly some suburban and rural uh, growth and opportunity through the rest of this pandemic and post pandemic to really make our state, um, not that it hasn't always been competitive, but it was in a little bit of a law and hopefully we can capture this and make ourselves more competitive going forward. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I think that, you know, out of, out of um, tragedy uh, also comes some opportunity. And I think that as leaders, we have to uh, have our eye on that opportunity while we still continue to meander through the challenges of the day. So, you know, <clears throat> uh, optimism is good, and uh, I, I, I like to be optimistic, particularly about our town and the state. Yeah. Sure. I certainly am rooting every bit for Ned Lamont. Um, I think he has done a good job uh, during the pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of governors who are not uh, perceived through the same lens as Ned Lamont is, uh, and Ned Lamont um, has come out of this, I think, pretty strong. Um, you know, uh, you know, Joe mentioned the housing market, and Pete, I think this is something we may have discussed on a previous show. Okay. Uh, we're showing 16% increase in home prices, Joe, uh, here in Old Saybrook, uh, year over year. Um, I had a conversation today with a gentleman, uh, New York couple, bought a house right on Main Street. Um, he was talking to me about maybe doing some work on the house, and I referred him to my building department. Uh, but I asked him, how, how do you like it out here? He goes, we love it. My office in my house is bigger than my office in New York. So, you know, I'm doing more work here than I am in New York. Um, you know, uh, one, you know, I was out to dinner in New Haven, actually, on uh, Saturday night. And I'll be darned if it's still at 50%. Uh, I know it goes to 100% in, on March 19, according to the governor, if they can actually do it that way. But I think people are dying to get outdoors uh, and get out and, and resume their lives. And due to the job that the governor's done in e either getting vaccine or the precautionary measures that we've taken, um, uh, right before the show, Pete, uh, we were talking about uh, the three of us, how the hospitalization rate has come down so much. So there's, there's definitely light um, at the end of the tunnel here. Um, you know, I always have, and I, I've been in this job 10 years, and I always have uh, real concerns about what Connecticut does to itself, self-inflicted wounds. Right. Um, I think uh, Joe laughs and he, he knows all about it because uh, CCM uh, is up at the legislature every, every day, either trying to pass good bills or trying to make bad bills go away or in the alternative, trying to make bad bills maybe better. Uh, and, and then if they pass. So um, I get very concerned about some of the bills that get uh, get some daylight early in the session. And, you know, I think, Joe, uh, every year, or at least uh, every other year, but it seems like every year, even in the short session, uh, we end up having conversations. Oh, my God, did you see that bill? And a lot of these bills don't see the light of day, uh, but they they tend to return and, you know, you see a bill like Martin Looney's bill, Senator Looney's bill, mm -hmm. uh, the millionaires, you know, the mansion tax. And, right. you know, 
I, I understand. I, you know, I understand uh, trying to uh, repurpose some revenue uh, to some of the cities in the state of Connecticut, but um, I just feel like there are some bad bills up there that could do a lot of damage uh, to a nascent recovery right now, maybe in our housing market. Um, you know, Connecticut, even though we had some resurgence, 10,000 New Yorkers or something um, had their addresses switched to Connecticut addresses last year, mm -hmm. I believe there was still a net outflow of Connecticut residents. That's, I read that somewhere. I don't know if that's exactly accurate, but that was my understanding. So, you know, I'm optimistic. I'm, I look out on Main Street right now uh, to my left here, um, and, you know, the Kate is still, the Catherine Hepburn Cultural Arts yep, Center yep. is still not able to have a lot of shows yet. Right. Uh, usually the, 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 the street is full almost five days a week with people right. going to the theater. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, the, the current session doesn't do too much damage to uh, what may be a grasp getting victory from the jaws of defeat with the pandemic, the mm -hmm. pandemic being the defeat, and maybe Connecticut uh, taking advantage, as Joe said, uh, of some of the um, good things that we've learned about ourselves. Number one, by the way, is eating outdoors. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Ned Lamont I, was dining in Old Saybrook last summer, um, and due to some of our expanded outdoor dining, and it was mm -hmm. great to see him, and um, and I hope that uh, some outdoor dining locally uh, mm -hmm. sticks because it's a great thing to see people on the street. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I know West Hartford has even closed a few streets. So, um, you know, it, it's I'm, I'm hopeful, uh, as Joe said, um, that uh, Connecticut does recover. Um, there's a lot of structural issues still that Connecticut needs to deal with, but right. um, we have a great state. Uh, very educated state, um, and uh, you know they're. I know they're they're trying to trying to make it better up there, but sometimes I feel like they do a little bit more damage. Absolutely. Now, now, question for both of you, gentlemen. As far as how do, how with everything going on in the pandemic, how's the legislative session looking? How how's the legislative session looking this session? Everything's being done virtually. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's you know. It, I, First off, I'll give some kudos to the General Assembly for adapting to the environment okay. and continuing to do the things necessary to give people access to their legislature. Right. Um, in fact, in some ways, people have more access than they've ever had before because they can do it right from like we're doing, from our own homes, offices, or living rooms without driving to Hartford. Exactly. All of the community hearings, the public hearings, and all those things, uh, you know, are being done virtually. Um, the General Assembly is staying in many cases until the late hours of the night, um, you know, to, to get people's testimony and ask questions. So, you know, I, I'll give praise there. Um, but let me just say this, Carl hit on a couple points that I think are so important, Pete. I think almost every time you have me on the show, we, we talk about these things, but they can't be talked about enough until they're fixed. Absolutely. Um, the first thing he said was that, you know, when he talked about the mansion tax and he said, uh, Carl, I'll quote you here a little bit. Um, he said, look, I understand. I don't. I, I don't understand. I don't either. I was being kind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and here's the difference between Carl and I 
he's a local elected office holder. He has to be diplomatic, right. optimistic, answer to his constituents. The only person I answer to is my wife yelling at me every day, and I'm used to getting beat down there, so I don't have to have all that diplomacy anymore. And, and I don't understand. Yeah. I, I just, for the life of me, I can't figure out how the state of Connecticut, year in and year out, can go into the legislative sessions one after another. Our governor can lead with an agenda year in and year out, one year after another. Knowing that this state has roughly a $60 billion unfunded pension and OPEB, uh, well, it's probably, probably just pension, there's OPEB too, unfunded liability that doesn't even get discussed. It's yeah. like that problem's too big for us to even talk about it. So let's go talk about naming, you know, the, the state leaf or something. Uh, in, in, instead of dealing with what really needs to be done with. Now, here's where that comes back to the mansion tax. Mansion tax is a proposal to help fund pilot. Yeah. I represent every big city in the state. Pilot needs to be funded. There's absolutely no question about that. The, the reason why pilot needs to be funded is because the structure that our state government has created for local revenue collection Mm -hmm. simply does not work, particularly in urban communities. It, it cannot work in an urban community that has 51, 52% of its tax base tax exempt, has very little property. Right. So you create this payment in lieu of taxes, this pilot program to make up that gap because you have a structural deficiency in how you fund local government. Sure. But then let's go beyond pilot. You have a thing called this is a terrible acronym for any municipal program, but this thing they called MRSA, which stood for the Municipal Revenue Sharing Account, was yeah. supposed to share sales tax receipts. Then you have ECS, which is the Education Cost Sharing Formula. You have, there, I could go on, you have all of these different formulas that the state has created that they don't fund. Right. They, they, they've created them, they put them on the books. In, in, in regards to ECS, that's actually a constitutional obligation for the state to fund public education. It doesn't even meet its own constitutional obligation. It essentially just ignores it, and it ignores the formula. Even in this year's budget, they, they, they put together a new formula a couple years ago, okay. and the governor's budget this year, he once again set that formula aside and basically said, let's not worry about it. We'll follow the formula in a few more years. Okay. And then if you get, and I'm, I'm just kind of making a round robin case here, but I want to go to something else. I'm going to tie it all together. All right. If you go to tolls and the need sure. to put money into our transportation infrastructure, most people, regardless of where they come down on the tolls debate, most people agree that we have to get more funding into our transportation infrastructure. Okay. But one of the reasons, I won't say it's the exclusive reason, but one of the big reasons why tolls never got traction or didn't pass was because the state for years has been diverting money away from the special transportation fund. Sure. And, and so a lot of people said, well, why do we believe if you collect tolls, anything's gonna be any different because the money that's supposed to go into transportation now, mm -hmm. you've been diverting away from transportation. So, so as we go through this, we have funds diverted away from transportation. We have the underfunding of pilot. We have the underfunding of the education cost sharing system. We have the underfunding of the municipal revenue sharing account. 
All of these things, uh, and I didn't mention the special education excess cost grants for the, for the state is significantly underfunded those over the years. And this, the single reason why is because the state can't meet its own obligations to its, its unsustainable pension system. And yet we come up with these crazy ideas like mansion taxes, all of these other little band-aids that even if enacted will not work. The only thing that will work is taking our, our unfunded structural problems seriously and addressing them and putting them behind us once and for all. That's the only thing that works. Everything else is just throwing good money after bad. And, and here's the thing, Pete, now we get off my soapbox now. We must well make the show interesting, right? Good. I but, love it. I'll get off my soapbox here in a minute. But here's the thing. <laughs> I, I, as a taxpayer, forget about me as the executive director of CCM. I, as a taxpayer, can look at any one of my representatives and forgive them if they struggle with that issue and they struggle with the solutions because the solutions are hard. I get that. If they spent the entire session trying to tackle this and failed and said, you know what, we're going to come back in six months and face it again, and it's going to be a priority next session, and we're going to keep doing this until we get it right, I would be okay with that. But the reality is the number one issue that's holding back the state of Connecticut, they won't even talk about. And that's what's so frustrating um, for me, at least personally, is dealing with this, the General Assembly and, frankly, the executive branch. Because I feel like until we have um, not even just the courage, until we just have the simple willingness to say nothing else matters right. if we don't address this, okay. then we're going to be back here year after year, at least maybe making for some good TV and having this conversation over again. Absolutely. Not having good government and the opportunity that we all want for our children and our children's children in our state as a whole. And, and Pete, the reason, yeah. it, I mean, and for your audience, I mean, the reason it matters is an obvious one. It, it eats up a larger and larger percentage of the budget right. every year. Right. So the state has promised, and by the way, all collectively bargained, and by the way, not a party-specific issue. Let's yeah. be clear on that. Uh, this goes to Republican administrations and Democrat administrations. Uh, and it goes back um, really to John Rowland uh, uh, originally and, and well before that because no other administrations ever wanted to fund uh, the pensions to the point where they, to the to the level they should be funded okay. because they're having too much fun making other promises. And I'm criti I'm basically criticizing politicians. I know I'm technically one. I always, Say to, say to my constituents, I don't feel like one. I mean, I, I have to do public this. servant. Yeah, public <laughs> servant. I mean, but, uh, yeah, right, public. But, um, you know, and, and it, it matters. And even though the governor of the state of Connecticut has uh, two or three times at least refinanced the, the pension obligations, uh, I think he did the teachers, uh, sold some new bonds, uh, and also the municipal, uh, the, the state workers, um, the pension obligation continues to go up and we've added to the lifespan of that obligation. So we actually owe more. I don't necessarily have a problem with um, smoothing out a spike. Right. No one, we, you know, I think Joe, as you know, we were going to go from 
you know, I, I, I don't even know the numbers. We're going to go from five billion to ten billion, let's say, or, or even more than that. And you know, we we can't afford that in one year. So you smooth it out by basically refinancing your obligation. Uh, but they do that, and to Joe's point, they don't discuss the issue. They just say, fine, we smoothed it out, but we're not going to tackle the underlying issue. Um, and I know they've, uh, at the state level with the state workers, uh, they've, um, they've changed some of the benefits so that the workers now aren't getting the same tier one. I guess they're on a tier four at this point. Uh, they're not getting the, the real golden benefits that a lot of state workers were getting years ago. Um, but the funding issue is just not being addressed. The long-term liability is not being addressed. And Connecticut, I think, is in the same category as, I want to say, Illinois and maybe you know a few other states where okay. it's a problem per capita in the state of Connecticut. You know, Joe mentioned uh, just a few other things about uh, at the state level with regard to pilot payment in lieu of taxes. Sure. Uh, and I agree with Joe on that. You know, the, the city of Hartford, I think it's over 50% of the property in the state of Hartford is state-owned property that is not taxable to the city of Hartford. So, you know, deriving your budget from property taxes doesn't work very well in Hartford. And the mill rate is 70 or, you know, whatever it is as a result. I'm, I may be exaggerating on the mill rate, okay. but probably not by much. Um, so I agree. So payment in lieu, lieu of taxes, they do need to occur. Um, but even, even on a smaller scale with Old Saybrook, the promises that are made aren't kept. Um, and uh, I'll go back a few years. Uh, Old Saybrook was getting about $1.1 to $1.2 million a year sure. in, in state aid when I took office. And we're, you know, we're significantly down. We're down 800000 from that. But but the problem with that is they were mid-year cuts, a lot of them, during uh, Governor Malloy's administration. Mm -hmm. And uh, we ended up getting ahead of it. And by the time our budgets rolled around, we were actually assuming less money <laughs> than we ended up getting. I did that over several budget cycles because I'm like, I don't know when the next budget cut is coming. Mm -hmm. I don't know when the next reduction in ECS is coming. So we now assume less money than we actually get from the state of Connecticut. Uh, we're in that position. But uh, what really gets my goat up at the state level, I will tell you, mm -hmm. is when a state legislature who's never held a budget balancing position tells me my taxes, you know, not that we have large tax increases in the town of Old Saybrook, but, you know, you can't raise your budget more than two and a half percent or uh we want to eliminate the motor vehicle tax so deal with it yeah, okay. in eliminating the motor i agree the motor vehicle tax is a, a, a lousy tax Absolutely. and there are not many other states in the in the union that have a motor vehicle tax joe i think there's five or i mean it's a it's a small number it's a, it's a it's a lousy tax however it's a significant portion of our income at this point. And you told us we could count on that. Absolutely. So if you're gonna take it away from me, maybe do it, tell me it's going away in 2026 or 27. But a few years ago, they were talking, oh, next July or you know, a year and a half, it's going away. Right. That doesn't work for any 
any municipality in the state of Connecticut, not only Old Saber. So w what I have a, a problem with is some of these legislators, and maybe I'm being less um, uh, civil about this than maybe Joe is in terms of complimenting the legislature. Mm -hmm. I just feel like a lot of them do not have the experience of either running a business or running a town. Um, I, Pete, I have to tell a quick anecdote. Go for it. There was a, a um, I go to a gym, and yes, I still go to the gym um, with a mask on. And I know which gym you go to. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I think you're following me. That scares me. But um, so uh, I go to a gym, and uh, a, a one of the women that I work out with who's probably stronger than me uh, no surprise right? right so she she says she has a son who's a senior at uconn and she said can he speak with you um about um he's thinking about maybe being a lobbyist or or trying to get into something with regard to the legislature he's not sure what but not running for office and i said sure and i spoke with him um towards the end of last week okay terrific kid mature beyond beyond his years i did the interview with him we did a zoom interview he followed up with a couple questions and what he said to me is do you think your experience at the local level would make you want to go up to the state level and my response to him was two twofold number one that's not a promotion right. uh to me uh it's a big difference between the executive and legislative branch Absolutely. and the way the parties vote right now right down the party line somebody's telling me that i have to vote against a bill i mean i don't think i don't i think all the votes are just down the party line at this point right. which um you know that's not how i want to operate it's a difference between the executive and legislative branch and number two what i said to him is i shouldn't go there they should come here every legislator should have to shadow a mayor or for selectmen Absolutely. for six months before they go there because then they'd see the damage that they do that's uh now i'm getting off my soapbox how's that <laughs> hey Joe, <Richard>. I'm... <laughs> would you guys mind sticking around for another segment not at all all right we'll be right back Thank you, Connecticut, for doing your part to stop the spread of COVID-19, for wearing your masks, washing your hands, and keeping your distance. So keep it up, Connecticut. We've come too far to go back. Community TV, your neighborhood TV. Publicly funded and a reliable partner for cable companies nationwide. It provides transparent coverage of local and state government, education, and public programming. A digital town green that can be watched anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Watch us on today's high-tech distribution methods. Community TV in Connecticut. Local. Unfiltered. Reliable. And, and yours. yours. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti, sitting here with Carl Fortuna, who's the first selectman of the town of Old Saybrook, and Joe DeLong, who's the executive director of CCM. Gentlemen, welcome back. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, guys. Pete, you may have a question. Yeah, I know you probably have a question. I, I, I was remiss because at the start of the show, yes. I wanted to uh, send a compliment out to uh, 
CCM, Joe DeLong as executive director. Okay. I've been in the, I've been in this job for 10 years. And I can tell you CCM <clears throat> is a uh, such an important partner to uh, all the municipalities in the state of Connecticut, uh, right. most who are members uh -huh. uh, of CCM. And they do a great job up there. And, you know, people ask me sometimes, what do they do? And what I said is they, they, they are up there advocating for large towns and small towns, making sure that we're somewhat protected uh, right. because I can't be there every day. I mean, you know, our, our schedules are all full and right. TCM has been a, a really, really terrific partner and not only at the legislature, but they have so many other services. And I will tell you the town of Old Saybrook uses several of those services um, and they're just a great partner. And I don't know that a lot of my residents or maybe your viewership yeah. understand the role of CCM, but they're, they're a terrific advocate for any of the people in your audience. Absolutely. Hey, Joe, you, actually, Carl, you, you just stole my quote. You know, take dinner now, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. Thank I, I know. You're welcome. It's actually, Carl, you stole my question. Thank you. Oh. I was I was actually going to ask how CCM how the advocacy of CCM and the town of Old Saybrook work together. Yeah. Um, so you know, so we get reports, and yeah. I have a few of them in front of me. We get these um, reports that kind of look like this. Okay. And they're, le they're legislative alerts, sure. and uh, it's every bill that has a hearing coming up. Okay. And typically, I peruse every one that's there. Uh, see if any of them ha are, are particular concern to me. Mm -hmm. uh, frequently, I will reach out to my own legislators, uh, Devin Carney, uh, Norm Needleman, and Paul Formica. Uh, we have two state senators that represent the town of Old Saybrook. Yep. So uh, in, in, in many other ways, uh, CCM uh, has a, an energy buying program that the town of Old Saybrook participates in. Uh, I was recently in contact with several of CCM's uh, members about um, maybe doing some studies on certain departments and using one of your consultants, Joe, uh, that you have uh, done requests for proposals on. And they're also a great research arm for the town. So let me, I'll give you an example. Sure. Um, I asked for recently, not too long ago, um, some people were questioning the salary of our chief of police. They were wondering, hey, uh, he makes, you know, 155000 Where does that fall in the Connecticut Chief of Police uh, salary schedule? Mm -hmm. And so I contacted uh, Brian West, and I had an answer a day later. That's not information that I am going to be able to gather very easily. Right. Um, but CCM has a really terrific research arm so that when I have a question that a resident may ask me or a board of finance member may ask me or you know, whoever else, or I may come up with and say, geez, how do I find an answer to this? I will email CCM at the research end and they will do, they either have some information uh, at their hand or they will send an email to a bunch of similarly sized towns. Right. And I've gotten requests from CCM and I make sure I respond to them so that someone else asking that question gets a response. Absolutely. Hey, Joe, Carl mentioned about the energy program that, C that you guys at CCM are run that the town of Old Saybrook is involved with. Can we talk about that? Well, we, we have a variety of programs. Basically, the energy program is just a, a 
bulk energy purchasing program where CCM is what really is like a reverse auction. And we get uh, providers to compete, um, to compete on a larger scale uh, and to compete for the business in, in each one of these towns. And I think, you know, as, as anybody's aware, obviously competition makes things stronger. And, and uh, you know, so that's just one of, of a variety of programs that we offer. But I want to say two things that, to uh, Carl's comments, Pete. I mean, sure. the first one is, uh, I, I, I agree, uh, as, a, as an employee, as a CEO, as an employee of CCM, it's a wonderful organization. But it's a wonderful organization because, uh, A, we have great board leadership, of which Carl is a member of our board of directors, and they let us know as a staff what it is that they need, um, mm -hmm. what we need to be providing them, where the gaps are. Um, and number two, we have a great staff. I mean, I've, I've run some pretty impressive organizations uh, in other states, some people who, when I've left to a new opportunity, a level of sadness people who i've you know been close to and have left a mark on my life but i can honestly say i've never worked with a more competent capable or professional staff um within the organization of ccm right now Absolutely. and and during you know this pandemic i think that's really shined because we've taken you know 128 or so employees and essentially sent them said you know we, we have work to do. We need to carry on the business and our productivity during the pandemic has increased and increased right. significantly and that speaks a lot to their professionalism yeah. but, I, but i want to talk about something we don't hardly ever talk about sure. um i think is really important and this is where uh, you know i'm gonna be a little magnanimous and, and brag here but this okay. is important for the state of Connecticut. one of the things we've seen happen at the federal level and while CCM has always been involved in federal advocacy through the National League of Cities, it's really been federal advocacy only dealing with our delegation, with our congressmen and women and in our two state senators. We really haven't played a major role in federal advocacy outside of that delegation. But one of the things that was becoming somewhat frustrating to me and even frustrating in the very first round of the CARES Act funding um, that went out now several months ago was because Connecticut, a couple other New England states, it's pretty unique to New England, because Connecticut does not have a functioning county government system, there are funds that are regularly allocated out of Washington, D.C. that go into a pot of money to be distributed to county governments. Um, there's a, an organization called NACO, National okay. um, so Association of County Officials that lobbies very aggressively in D.C. on behalf of counties. Mm -hmm. And every time NACO was securing a pot of money to be divided up to county governments, Connecticut wasn't getting any of it. Um, it wasn't like, well, okay, they don't have functioning counties, so we'll send it to the state or we'll send it to the cities and towns. We just didn't get it. We got left out completely. Right. And, you know, after this last round of CARES Act funding and when we started seeing that there was going to be another effort, a prolonged effort for, for federal aid um, to go back to states and to towns and cities, sure. CCM got very involved at the national level, went out and recruited some of our New England uh, friends, uh, particularly the league in, in Massachusetts. We also worked with leagues in 
you know, our partners in, in New Hampshire and Vermont and Rhode Island and other areas, but particularly CCM reaching out to Massachusetts because they have some lobbying power. And we got very aggressive um, through the National League of Cities to make sure that the next package of funding that was passed by Congress, yeah. that if there were county funds allocated in that package of funding, that Connecticut received its share of the county funds and that that money was just divided up to our cities and towns. Okay. Because frankly, our cities and towns because we don't have county governments, our cities and towns perform functions that county governments perform in other states. Right. And, and I'm very pleased with the fact that when the, the, the Senate, um, the United States Senate passed this next package of relief funds um, on, on Saturday, early Saturday morning, right. it, it will be it'll pass the House for the first time um, due in large part, almost exclusively to our advocacy and our push to get the National League of Cities involved, that that county funding that's in that package will now come to Connecticut and be divided up amongst our towns and cities. Right. That is a lot of revenue. It's very important revenue. Um, we, as a state, have always been a donor state that sends more money to Washington, D.C. than we ever get back. Sure. And I had a couple of friends um, in, in D.C. who were senators that I've worked with from other states who have called me up about this and said, man, that seems like an awful lot of money to send you guys in such a small state and so many small towns. I didn't argue with them. I didn't say, no, it's not as much as it seems, or you don't understand. I said to them, you're darn right it is, and we deserve it. <laughs> We've been feeding you for years. So it's time It's time to give a little money back to one of the states that drives the federal economy so we can continue feeding you for years to come. Yeah. And my one really close friend, I don't want to call him out, who was kind of close to being a swing voter for another state, said, i got to give it to you. At least that's an honest answer. You got my vote. There so, you go. So we've, you know, I, I, that's something that I do want to brag about a little bit because Absolutely. I think this year we as an organization, even if all of our members don't necessarily know it, we've had the most successful year in terms of federal advocacy that we've probably ever had in the history of the organization. And frankly, one of the most critical times in the history of the organization. Absolutely. Hey, before we move on, I'm going to jump on. I'm going to, you guys jumped on your soapbox earlier. It's my turn. Joe, I got to give you a little bit of kudos because not only all the wonderful things that CCM does, but I have to applaud you guys at CCM because you guys do a great job with Municipal Voices on WNHH Radio. get my mute button off that's how great of a job i'm doing yeah. sorry i keep going on mute i've had a couple of small children come into the house so they've, they've been given the instructions but that, that uh, the retention only that's okay would you would you like me to repeat myself yeah but the municipal voice is great um, yeah good job i i would love to be able to say hey you know ccm was groundbreaking on this the reality was i went to a conference of league directors okay. a few years ago we had a couple leagues north carolina was one i think uh, minnesota was another one that had started doing those types of podcasts at the league level or having some success with them and so like most uh, or many great ideas um it was stolen 
uh, from some of my friends in other states. But it, it has been very successful. It has allowed us um, not only to broaden our brand, which is important, but frankly, right. to meet more people in the community and go out and get engaged in more community-type conversations. Absolutely. It's been a tremendous learning experience for us as staff. And, and we also got a shout-out to Harry Droz and Paul Basham, WNHH Radio. Great guys. Paul Basham, oh. they, they both been amazing to work with. It's, it's a, as a matter of fact, Joe you, prob Joe, you probably know this. Carl, you might or might not know this. Not only does WNHH throw, have municipal voices on, but they also air the podcast version of the Pete Mazzetti show as well. I, I, it's, it's one of my favorite podcasts, Pete. <laughs> you sure about y'all? Yeah. Oh, okay, Carl. By the way, Joe, before I forget, one more time on the soapbox. Couple weeks ago, on a Sunday morning, I was up running around. I flipped on one of the local political shows, and there was Joe DeLong talking about ice cream. Now I'm assuming, instead of having bowls of Rocky Road ice cream, you would much rather be having pizza with Pete Mazzetti. Is that correct? Oh my gosh. There's no question about it. I, I miss coming to the studio and having pizza next door. Um, but the ice cream line, you know, I always have the tendency. I go on these programs and I tell myself, don't say anything that's going to get you in trouble. <laughs> right. And, and inevitably, that's why they like to invite me back because mm. within about 30 seconds, Absolutely. I they'll get me in trouble. We're talking about the state budget. <laughs> and, and let me preface it by saying this. I have yes. worked. Oh, oh. Uh, Joe, you froze. Gotcha. Joe, you're frozen. Uh-oh, he froze. Uh, okay. Um, hey, Carl, you know what? While, jo while we're, we're bringing yeah. Joe back, you know what we can yep. talk about? Old Saber Cares. Yeah, you know, um, you know I want to make, uh, just go back a little bit to, I'm, I'll, I'll come back to Old Saber Cares. Okay. Um, I think Joe made a reference to a West Virginia Senator, Joe Manchin. Yes. Uh, when he was talking about a possible swing voter in the, uh, in the American Rescue Plan. Okay. Um, and what he was talking about was there is going to be revenue that goes to, uh, looks like almost every municipality in mm -hmm. the state of Connecticut sure. that will make up for lost revenue. So the town of Old Saybrook had lost revenue last year. We didn't have uh, all our mini golf revenue. We didn't have all mm -hmm. our, um, you know, other revenue that we lost from the beach. Right. Um, so we'll be able to hopefully be able to get some money back from the American Rescue Plan to help us um, recover from sure. the pandemic also. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, Old Saver Cares, Pete, I think we, we actually did a show on this. We and, did. Uh, that was early on when um, Old Saver Cares was just getting underway. Mm -hmm. But for the folks who don't know on your show, Old Saber Cares was um, started as a result of uh, Old Saber when we got to the point in the pandemic right. where we were not only responding to the pandemic, but we were recovering from the pandemic. Right. Uh, we started up what we call a long-term recovery committee. And yep. part of that long-term recovery committee, uh, we focused on the elderly, we focused on recreation, we focused on um, houses of worship to make sure that people were reaching their communities and trying to figure out what people needed in our community to help them recover from the pandemic. And of course, we're still in the recovery. Right. One of the 
sub subcommittees that we started out of the long-term recovery committee was Old Sabre Cares. Right. Um, it's a fundraising arm of the long-term recovery committee, Pete. And um, what it is, is for any Old Saybrook resident who has been economically affected by the pandemic, mm -hmm. and they can prove that they have been economically affected by the pandemic, either because maybe they lost their job or they're underemployed, they're not getting as many hours, and they may be having trouble putting food on the table, they may be having trouble uh, paying the electric bill, maybe even paying the mortgage, um, they can apply for up to a $1,500 grant from Old Saber Cares. Okay. And Pete, uh, maybe not exactly breaking news sure. on this, okay. but um, we've raised about $185,000 through Old Saber Cares. I saw that. Now, our original goal mm -hmm. was to raise $100,000, and wow. we have exceeded that. We, we have had, the, as you know very well, uh, the generous yeah. donation yeah. of uh, actually the president, the CEO of your company from you flowers. As a matter of uh, fact, Carl, because of because of the generous donation of from you flowers, I actually have an arrangement on the table tonight. See that next to the cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Is that how, did someone send you flowers, Pete? Yes. Nice. Very yes. nice. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the generous donation of Flowers. Yeah, the flowers. CEO of, uh, of From You Flowers, uh, made a, they made a corporate donation, um, and they donated $30,000 in uh, late 2020. Okay. And they, they saw what a great cause it was. Um, we met with uh, the CEO, mm -hmm. and they said, you know what, if you need more money in 2021, feel free to come back. And Absolutely. we did need more money. Uh, looks like Joe might be coming back onto the show. Okay. Uh, and we had, so From You Flowers has donated about $60,000 okay. to Old Saber Care. Excellent. And we had another generous donation from an individual who donated $50,000. Really? So we've had, okay. we've had two donors donate $110,000 total, which is remarkable. Wow. But, but, yeah. What's wow. even more remarkable is yes. that the remaining $70,000 has been basically raised in small donations. Really? And that is the community. That is Old Saber community coming together to help other people in the community. So if you told me I was going to raise $70,000 uh, with people donating $25 to $1,000, right. I'd say that's a pretty tall order, but it did, it did happen. Absolutely. So it was really successful. Um, and it's something that I'm really proud to talk about. Um, and one other thing before Joe comes on. Yes. Uh, we're, I know he's trying to, uh, looks like he's trying to connect right now. And, and here we are, Pete, right? This is the pandemic mm -hmm. at its finest. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think what happened in Joe's household is he said he had some, some uh, school-age kids come in, and I bet they all went for the Internet. Probably. Joe, are you there? Okay. Anyway, so our budget, Pete, we're yes. halfway through our budget process. Okay. And our budget's going to be flat for the year. And in fact, it looks like we'll probably be able to reduce our taxes a little bit. Okay. Oh, uh, in the town of Old Saybrook. And that would be the second time in four years right. that we're actually proposing to the, uh, the residents of Old Saybrook not only a lower mill rate, but a lower tax burden. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, second time in four years. And I look back at the history of Old Saybrook budgets and Old Saybrook mill rates, and that hasn't been done, uh, not in the last 30 years and maybe not in the last 50 years. So wow. we're really proud uh, to be able to say that our budgets have been uh, well-managed and that we've been able to um, you know, give our taxpayers a break this year, especially with the pandemic. So Joe, you know, one of the comments I made was, you got a house full of kids that look like they all went for the internet and shut you down. Well, they, well, well, they did shut me down, but it wasn't, I guess literally they did all go for the internet. Um, yeah. There is, a, there is a freezer that is near my router that has ice cream sandwiches in it. And they went to get ice cream sandwiches out of the freezer and knocked the internet router unplugged okay. when they did it. Oh no. <laughs> So we're coming so, back to ice cream. You can see the other Joe on the screen. I tried to call in on my cell phone with beta while the router was rebooting, but I couldn't get the camera on the cell phone to turn on. And then I quickly got on here and just turned the cell phone on silent and threw it in the other room. So it's hey, 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 uh, pandemic in its finest. Hey, Pete, quickly, how much time do we have, Pete? We got some more time. What's up? Okay. We got I time. think Joe and I both want to talk about an issue, uh, a diversity, equity, and inclusion issue. I know we're yeah, go for probably it. bumping up against an hour. Um, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, when I look back a year ago, literally a year ago, right? That's when everything started happening. Was probably today a yeah. year ago. Sure. Um, uh, you had the pandemic, and then shortly thereafter, you had the George Floyd murder. Yes. Uh, in Minneapolis, right? And they're really when you think about prior to March 8th last year, the world was a different place. In many ways, the world was a different place. Yeah. Um, and we live in a different world right now. And a lot of these diversity, equity, and inclusion issues have come to the forefront. And, um, you know, I'm taking Wednesday, I've, I've actually, uh, in Old Saybrook here, we've um, asked every employee to take an, an, an unconscious bias training course uh, and Joe, I'm proud to say we used one of your consultants for that, KJR Consulting. Um, and I'm taking my class on Wednesday. Um, and, you know, that also, um, you know, I know the, the subject racism as a public health crisis is something that Old Saybrook has also addressed uh, because, um, you know, racism persists in our community. And, you know, uh, it's not a party issue. I'm a Republican. And I recognize the issue. I recognize it's an important issue, um, but it's also an issue I think that has to be carefully addressed in our community. Not every co community is willing to um, necessarily be hit over the head with some of these initiatives. And I think it's an issue that's really important to discuss intelligently within the community. Um, and it also ties in, Joe, to some affordable housing uh, issues that, of course, are going on at the state. But uh, I will say that uh, CCM, and I'll turn it over to Joe, has been a real leader on uh, the equity issue. So, uh, Joe? Yeah, and Carl, one of the things that we're really proud of, um, the first of its kind, mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks ago, CCM, in partnership with the campaign school at Yale, held training, uh, it was called uh, Representation Matters, Okay. And it was training for communities of color who want to get involved locally, either running for local office, serving on boards and commissions. And it was really a two-day training, first off with Yale, 
teaching people um, the skills they need in order to successfully run for office. Um, so it was all about how do you get elected? How do you get yourself engaged and get in a position to lead? And then day two of the training uh, CCM put on, which was, okay, now you're elected. What do you need to know? What do you need? To, what, what skills do you need to have? What issues do you need to understand? What lessons should you learn from your peers in order to go into office and be able to effectively and efficiently do the things that you want to lead? And, you know, in a, in a small state like Connecticut, um, which doesn't necessarily have a ton of diversity, although there's certainly diversity here, particularly right. concentrated diversity. Um, the majority of our cities and towns, not all, but the majority of our cities and towns had people who participated in that training, um, residents, and we had over 250 people register for one, you know, both days, two over 250 people registered both days oh, wow. for the training course, and almost 100 people who actually graduated um, by attending both sessions, both days, gave up an entire Saturday on, um, they weren't back-to-back -back Saturdays, there was a week off in between. The feedback, and by the way, we also have what was really designed for people of Connecticut, we had participants, we had seven participants from out of state, including somebody all the way from Dallas, Texas. Really? Which was part of this. Wow. Um, all uh, people who were was communities of color, so it was, it was uh, people who were black, um, you know, Latino, um, indigenous. We had, you know, all, it, it was the energy around this thing was remarkable. And one of the things that I always say about le local elected office and the economy have one thing in common. They both do their best and everybody participates and everybody has access. And that's really what this training was about, was that we have a, a segment of society, a very important segment of society that wasn't always fully engaged or able to participate to the level that we wanted to see in the decision-making process. I know, um, there have been times where I've looked around the room at our membership across the 169 cities and towns, mm -hmm. and seen, you know, in some cases one, um, right now we actually have three uh, people of color holding the CEO position in higher office. And that's not quite reflective of what it should be if you look at what our demographics are as a state. So I think that's important. There's a lot of these legislative issues, Pete, that are incredibly important. But I'm really particularly proud of the fact that we created this groundbreaking training that, that in order um, for things to change and things to evolve, we need people involved. And Absolutely. I think this training really opened up the door um, for a lot of minorities across the state of Connecticut to see a path um, to being leaders within their communities. Absolutely. Well, Joe DeLong, you got last word because we're out of time. So on behalf of Joe DeLong, Carl Fortuna, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming down, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Good guys. Day. It looks like Joe froze again. So. Oh, God. Well, on behalf of Joe DeLong, Carl Fortuna, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.